I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Bucky Beaver. Is Mrs. Beaver there? Who is this? This is Cousin Beaver. Hello? What number were you calling? I was calling yours number. No, you wasn't. Yes, I was. Ain't you Bucky Beaver? Or is you Mrs. Beaver? Uses Mrs. Beaver. Who the hell are you? Me? I is cousin Beaver. Yeah. You don't please me? You're not smart. I ain't? Am I dumb? Yeah, and you're gonna be a little bit dumber too when the police get you. How's the police gonna be getting me? Welcome to Raw Impressions number 41. Lou makes an exciting discovery. The cassette tape Insanity number 1, sent to him by his friend Mark Harris in 1982. Cassette letters, mixtapes, are discussed. Mom. Can I call Lou tonight? No, not tonight. Can I already ask him to call um, James or someone? Is he going to? Yeah. Well, how come I can't call after he after he's finished? I just have had two huge bills. Uh, and I do not want to do that. I am not making any longer Kenny rarely has in his entire life. That is why I gave him permission to Well, Massachusetts isn't that far from here, though. That's I mean, not the, point. the, the long distance call. Yeah, but my point is, is uh, it doesn't cost nearly as much now as it did in Michigan. It costs probably half as much or something like that. And one long distance call, that is enough. And Kenny asked first. Oh my gosh. Well, I so Mark must have had that on the kitchen table, like recording. Did his mom know this? No. Mm-hmm. He also picks a fight with her in mm. the same in the same cassette. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, uh, he says, "I picked that fight just so you had something interesting to listen to." Oh my gosh! And it's wildly obnoxious. Wow, Mark Harris uh, was. Was Lou's childhood best friend. Yeah, we met in fourth grade. In Michigan. Jackson, Michigan. I can really hear his accent in there. And I can also hear adult Mark as a child in there. It's weird. Yeah. It's like, oh, of course that's Mark. Of course I recognize Mark's voice. Yeah. But he's young. How old is he there? Um, well, it would have been 1982. God, do I have to do math right now? I, I don't know. I was just... He was like 14, 15. I have to say, I feel like those are snippets of history that you are so lucky to have. Yeah. 
I mean, that's incredible. I never thought about making tapes to send to friends or anything like that as a form of communication. I really find it endlessly fascinating that you and Mark did this, your family did things like this. Um, Yeah, I had sent, um, Mark and I had moved apart in 1978. And uh, I went to Massachusetts, he stayed in Michigan. He ended up moving to Syracuse, New York, and it actually occurs during the course of this cassette. Like one half is like him in Michigan, the the next half is him in Syracuse. Mm. But when I started to discover like punk rock, I would make mixtapes for him. And not by like playing records and recording. I would actually just put the portable cassette recorder right in between the speakers and play. I was really excited by the Dead Kennedys and the Circle Jerks and Black Flag by this hardcore punk rock that I was discovering. So I would make these tapes for him and then and be a DJ in between and also talk about my life and then also like make, you know, sort of, you know, secret recordings of my family. Oh my gosh. Like my sisters yelling at each other, my dad. I mean, I just made these little in between these these in between the, you know, groups of songs, I would come on and and that and then that evolved into me making my own songs in between there to make to see what he thought of them my own like kind of goofy obnoxious because we had a very very funny obnoxious way of speaking like he he's he was a performer like he loved to sing he loved to enunciate everything really clearly and this started when we were kids and i was fascinated by the way that he ate you can even hear it on the cassette there he's just shoveling i loved the way he would just put a mm-hmm. piece of silverware and bite down on it and he would hold it just like he was gripping a club yes just like you still have I a still lot of it. that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean he made and my attempts to to uh entertain him were became the beginning of me really writing my own songs and becoming and I did it all on portable tape recorders, so it really became, and a lot of those things later on became the early, were on the early Sebado records. I wonder whatever happened to the tapes you sent, Mark, they must be long gone, huh? I don't know. I wonder. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know that he saved them for quite a while, hmm. but I don't know, his life was was kind of chaotic towards the end, so I don't know if that stuff would have followed him where he went. Were you and Mark the same age? Yeah. So what grade were you in when you met him? Fourth. Fourth grade in Michigan. Why was it fourth grade? Was he new to the school or like how did that happen? I don't remember. I know that I was bouncing between schools all the time. Okay. You know, sort of it was the early 70s. So it was kind of there was a lot of busing integration issues. So I was changing a lot. So I, so I ended up at Griswold elementary in Jackson and we met in fourth grade okay. and he, but he kind of acquired he just stepped in and was like you're my fr-. he took me in like, he, he saw like, you and he was like you're mine yeah he, mm-hmm. and he I remember he took me out to eat it's like you're going out to eat with <laughs> when me. you were in fourth grade yeah and he I was like his date and I went with his mom and we went to this really <laughs> cool place in Jackson that had like it was one of these places where they had pop troughs of popcorn and old movies playing in the background it was like which i never really got to go to oh wow so he took me into this and it was i was just enveloped by him immediately like every mm-hmm. his, his mannerisms his and he was bigger than me too so he actually provided a lot of really um like crucial bodyguard action on the on the 
early 70s play, you know, blacktop playground. He was, uh, and he called me Louis who kicks with the side of his foot because we played kickball all the time. And I would <laughs> kick with the side of my foot because I had huh. kind of learned, we had, in my last school, we had played this kind of real rough, like, playground version of soccer. Uh-huh. I was going to say, it sounds like soccer. Yeah. So yeah. when I, when... In the next school, they didn't play soccer, and it was just blacktop. We just didn't. There was no grass that we played on. There was actually a very small bit of grass. But anyway, but that was for the little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we all played on the bla- blacktop, and uh, same in my elementary yeah, school. Yeah. So, and um, it was a, Mark was a really good asset for me. He was a really good someone that could protect me because <clears throat> he was so uh, he was just so outspoken. He was very gregarious. Gregarious. Yeah. Extremely gregarious. Extremely uh, outwardly confident, maybe, you know. Oh, absolutely. Right. right. Definitely outwardly confident and uh, did, social. He was very social, did he, too. Did he have other friends? or? It was kind of just he and I uh-huh. in this school. I, You know, I think that you and I have a similar thing. When we were young, we were both attracted to other people, like strong personalities, not necessarily like <laughs> always for our benefit. Sometimes, yes, but like just for whatever reason, we would almost try to like mesh into someone else's like habits or mm. um, mannerisms or way of speaking or you know personality. I did the same thing. I was very attracted to people who maybe weren't even necessarily the most popular people in school they were usually odd actually but in kind of extreme and and mark was yeah let me play a couple more of these yeah let's hear some more tapes oh yes the very first thing you heard was a prank phone call that mark did hello hello my friend did you know that a shit in time saves a hundred thousand? Really? Yeah. Well, the... This is like your friendly friend from out west. Well, what? Yeah. Who the fuck is this? I just told you. That's not very friendly. Really? Yeah. What's your name? My name? Yeah. The friendly friend from outer space. Here's the fuck not. What the hell is your name coming over here, buddy? <laughs> Hello. Two days. Say what? Two days. Say what? Two days. Two days. Two days. Three days. What the hell is your problem, man? Goodbye. 
I, I like that one because it resolves really nicely, mm-hmm, which kind of mm-hmm. it shows that Mark did have, he had a side where he was just like straight up obnoxious, like bam, just pushing those buttons until something broke, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he had this other side where he seemed to really enjoy talking to people mm. and enjoyed moments, you know, where he really enjoyed people's personalities. And it kind of comes out on this this tape because there's a, there's a whole series of these calls and is that Kenny in the background? His brother Kenny giggling in the background? It's not Kenny. Oh. It's, it's actually, I think, a neighbor of his that I, okay. can't, I can't remember his name. He okay. sort of puts the neighbor up to a bunch of these phone calls, too, much of, most of which seem to involve making him call girls that he likes. Oh. Like, I have, let, me play, let me play you one. Hold <laughs> okay. On. The neighbor? Yeah. Okay. Is Deanna there? No, she's not. Alright. You wanna leave a message for her? Tell her Bucky Beaver called. <laughs> Is that supposed to be funny? No. <laughs> you wanna tell her who called? Oh. Bye! Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Is that supposed to be funny? Little, no. <laughs> little crushes. Oh my gosh. How innocent. Then you have to have like the dad or something intercepting like, okay, son, you want to actually leave your real name? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the innocence to that. It's but, such a time capsule. It really captures for me like Mark putting him up to that too. Because mm. Mark was so, I mean, he. He's a potster. Stirring was, the pot. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Until the last time I hung, I hung out with them all the way to the end. All the way to the end. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's funny. There's nothing like this. Just it doesn't even exist now. I mean, we had phones that you had to pick up. There were neighborhood phone books that were in every person's house. You could just flip through it and look to see where someone lived. It was. Very unusual for someone to be unlisted. Yeah. Everybody was, everyone was in the phone book. He would use the numbers against the people, too, in the phone calls. I should, I should play another one. <laughs> this is pretty funny. Hello. Is Jimmy there? Jimmy? Yeah. What number was you calling? 7820090. Well, that's... This number, but we don't have anybody by the name of Jimmy. But, but Jimmy gave me this number to call. Oh, wait just a minute. Hello? Is Jimmy there? I think he got the wrong number. But we, but what, I, Jimmy gave me this number to call. <laughs> Hello? Is Jimmy there? <laughs> No. <laughs> Are you the one that called last night? Yeah, I checked with Jimmy on. 
earlier today, and he gave me this number again. Well, honey, it isn't his number. He's telling you wrong. You said 7820090, didn't you? Well, there's nobody and never has been by the name of Jimmy, so he's fooling you. But Jimmy gave me this number. He wouldn't lie to me. Well, he did because I've lived here a long time and no one by the name of Jimmy has ever been here. You sure Jimmy's not there and you're just fooling me? <laughs> well, he gave you the wrong number. Bye. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That that conversation sounds practically like ancient. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what the heck who speaks like that? It's like listening to Little House on the Prairie, like you fooling me. <laughs> Jimmy never lived here. <laughs> There's a great call where uh, Mark's brother, who was also a genius and also a performer, uh, who he they call in they call someone and his brother pretends to be someone who who got stung by a bee and does and it affects this whole fake southern accent. I'll I won't. Wow. It's really long, so I'm not going to put it here, but I will I will put it on our Substack. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. so y'all can check it out. I'm going to put all these up so people can check them out. Barlow Family General Substack. Oh my um, gosh! The, the other thing that was that I loved about Mark, or what I what, what attracted me, was that I would go to his house after school, mm-hmm. and he had like unlimited snacks, <laughs> un fucking limited. The best of which were uh, Carnation breakfast bars, which tasted so good. And we would watch cartoons, and he he would. Uh, he could like any he memorized all the Bugs Bunny cartoons and can launch into these very like specific like really amazing imitations of them and was so and a lot of what we watched on TV he would like imitate it mm-hmm. and he I mean you know I make my commercial recreations yeah it's dire- I mean it is directly from Mark no. And thankfully, he put one of his own on this tape. I'm going to play it really quick. Off the rocks. Ah, oh, ma. Down sport. Oh, mother. Later. It's almost meal time. You want to be soft. You got to be firm. It's the right time for snacks. And I say when. And then, it's hostess. Hostess is good and fresh, the kind of snacks that I want my family to eat. I'm a tough mother, and tough mothers have got to do the right thing. So from now on, you be a tough mother too. Be a real trooper and buy Hostess snacking cakes. No, I I had fallen. Mark and I weren't communicating towards the end. Mm -hmm. He passed away, I think, maybe a month or two ago. Yeah. And, uh... The last conversation we had was very intense. I mean, it wasn't, we didn't fight or anything, but I, he was just... It was during the pandemic. He was stirring <clears throat> the pot, and I just was, I couldn't match that energy. Because a lot of it was like you would attempt to match his energy, mm-hmm. um, which meant either just listening to him yes. or becoming, you know, wrapped up in, in his dialogue, whatever the sort of... Whatever he chose yeah, to be- spin about. And he, be- it, he became very apocalyptic at the end. Yes. And uh, not surprisingly, we all were. But 
And that was one reason that I couldn't really, call, you know, I didn't really call him. And also, I never had to call Mark. He always called me. Right. And I would wait for that call. And then, uh, you know, as my life, you know, in the last 10 years or so, those calls became so time consuming that I couldn't really, it was. Yeah. But when we started doing the podcast and I started doing the, the commercial recreations, I, I was, I wanted to reach out. I wanted him to hear it mm. because almost it was like yeah. something like that I wanted to gift him much like the tapes that we would make. And we would, I mean, he made me, he only made me this one insanity one, but it was amazing that he did. He responded in kind to me because I put what I put on his tapes. I did put prank phone calls and I did put my own calls were much more innocuous and not nearly as inventive. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was like, a D, I acted like a DJ. I made these crazy songs for him. And then he responded with this cassette. Mm -hmm. Um, and which did capture him. But I wanted to, like, when I started to do the recreations, especially Baby Alive, I was like, oh, my God, I want him to hear this so mm -hmm. badly because he did such an amazing Baby Alive commercial. Oh, gosh. And, uh, and mm. I texted him, and I texted him, hey, Mark, are you still alive? And he didn't respond. Unsurprisingly, he wasn't really a texter. He was a talker. Yeah. You know, you couldn't... Couldn't really hold you down with the text. He had, <laughs> you had to be enveloped by Truly, him. truly... Uh, text was not enough for Mark. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you all heard the expression before, time bandit. And uh, Mark really was captain. He was like time bandit on the, on the level of like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, he was like... He was kind of the, a time bandit where you just, you would, uh, it wasn't necessarily a negative thing, and certainly not for me, because I, he was such a part of my personality and my, but uh, he was he had such a huge influence on me. But um, anyway, he, yeah, he didn't. I didn't felt respond. like it got kind of difficult at the end there when he was on drugs, and his time banditness then took on a very dark... Oh, dark. It was very dark. So dark. I um, mean, he, he introduced me to recreational drugs, you know, when I was in my late, late teens, actually when I was 19 or 20. He became involved, of course, much earlier like, mm -hmm. in his teens. He had a very, his father was, I never got to meet his father, but he, from what I understand, he was like this very large man who lived on like, almost like a compound in mm. rural Missouri. Mm. And Mark would go there and his dad would feed him LSD mm. and weed and alcohol. Wow. And Mark would come back just with his mind blown. Right. And also with this desire to share these things. Yeah. So he came to my house after I had graduated from high school and that's when my that's mm. when my that's when I used when I really when I began drinking and mm. smoking weed and trying uh, hallucinogens. I mean, mm -hmm. It sort of spread out into the early eighties from or the early nineties from there. But yeah, Mark, um, those those ex experiments for him became his lifestyle. Yeah, you know, and uh, he couldn't outrun it. And 
No, and he had yeah. such a huge appetite. This was another yeah. thing that I was so fascinated about him. Yeah. It's just he just inhaled the world. Right. And and stories and experiences and drama and, you know, um, I mean, he would get caught up on things. And my God, the way he would spin, it was truly, it was an experience for sure. I mean, I only knew Mark um, in in the years where he was really pretty deeply addicted to drugs. Yeah. You you sussed it out immediately. I think one thing I share with a lot of his friends was we are very, I would say, malleable. Mm-hmm. And from an early, when I met him, I believed everything he said. I, I, mm. <laughs> I had our teacher, our fourth grade teacher, took me aside, or my our fifth grade teacher, we managed to be in the same class in fifth grade, which was amazing. It was one of the best, best <laughs> years of my life. Mm. Um, and uh, she took me aside and said, you know, Louis, everything Mark says isn't true. Because he was telling me that he, he would vacation in Switzerland and sled down the Alps and that he was fan- had fantastic wealth in his family and that he was like, had a, a, an IQ, an unbelievably high IQ. And mm-hmm. he was just, and I believed everything. everything he said. And I would go to his house after school, like I said, and just gorge on snacks, television. He had a CB radio. He had a shortwave radio. He had Pong, you know, the electric video mm-hmm. game before anyone else did. Um, so it was just this, all I had to do or do was endure his abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would also quiz me on world capitals. Like, so I knew every, every state capital, every world capital, like we were just, so there was this side to it that was, and then, you know, when we would stay over at each other's places on weekends, we would listen to American Top 40 from Aww. 40 to one. And just, just, we were obsessed with pop radio. Gosh. That's, so that's largely, when I was making mixtapes for him, I was like, you've got to hear this. Mm. And I was, find, I was finding these really obscure records. I mean, now it turns out pretty obscure records. Um, but he actually incorporated, just as a, a last bit for this, this episode, I, I want to play um, this little, these two little calls that he made that incorporate a song called Tumor Boy mm. by a band called Mentally Ill. The mentally ill from Chicago. I had this. I had this seven inch, and I was like, "This is it's the it's such a crazy seven inch, such a." And uh, I was like, "Mark's gonna love this," and he he did. Dark Mark. Thank you for listening to Rotten Impressions number 41. Now, between you and me, four track man, and Adele, Lou is not done talking about Mark yet. And there's still more to play from an insanity number one. <laughs> the cassette from his charismatic friend. 
Faka, 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 said the pussy to the dick. Whoa! Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.